Pause. Pause. Take a break. Take a break. Reflect on life. Remember, you are strong. You are enough. You are capable. You are blessed. And you are loved. Your moment of greatness starts now. In this episode, I am privileged to be speaking with a life coach for men. He's an entrepreneur with a PhD in chemistry. He's also a podcaster. We'll be learning how to stand tall as men and what that means. Welcome to the show, Michael. How are you doing? Toby, I am doing fantastic. Uh, we are in the beautiful season of fall, the time of recording. And right now, I have a beautiful 70-degree temperature wind blowing into my room that is just delightful. I can't ask for more. God is so good. Oh, that is awesome. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. And um, same year also, I mean, the weather is looking so good. I've not been outside today, if I must confess. But after this conversation, I will try my best to take some steps in and, you know, get some fresh air from outside. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, in, in this conversation, I would really love us to to dig or to delve into, you know, what it means to be a man and what it means to be a full man, take control of your life. But before we, we, we go into all of that, I got really interested in, you know, your past a little bit, uh, your personal journey. And I, I learned that, um, you know, you became an entrepreneur after almost 10 years in the big corporate world. So I would just like to learn, like, what inspired you to make that switch in your life at that phase? So let me ask you, Joe, just a smidge before that to set the stage, because that's a great question. And I'm an adult convert to the faith. And so for me, when I chose my faith, it was a very central part of who I was and what I was. And I chose the faith mm -hmm. saying, great, I've got God on my side now. He will for sure back up my plan to go get a very secure job, make lots of monies, and have everything go simple, straightforward from here on out, all the checks in the boxes, right? Well, obviously, there's the old yeah. joke that if you want to make God laugh, you tell him your plans. And that tends to do the job. And when mm. I was working, I was living in Portland, Oregon, outside of Portland at the time, and God started moving in my life. And I was, I grew up in this very unstable childhood and stability parts and lowercase t trauma was really important to me. And so I made it very clear to God, I didn't want to leave the stable job. And the idea of going entrepreneurial mm -hmm. was quite frankly, terrifying. That, that was horrifying to impact to me. And so I prayed about it mm -hmm. and God kept nudging me. And I kept saying, no, 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 I must not be hearing properly because there's no way God would ask me to go back into something unstable, given my background. And time after time, Toby, he showed up in his goodness. And I remember the, the critical moment came. It was one day in prayer, and I was at church by myself. And I was just praying, just pouring myself out for the Lord. I said, Lord, I keep hearing you want me to do this, and I don't want to. And so God said, get out a piece of paper and write this thing down. And so I wrote down, leave corporate, stay in corporate. I wrote down all the reasons for each one. And at the very end, I read through them, and all the reasons to stay we're trusting the world, trusting in money. And all the reasons to go, we're trusting in God. And then I opened up my Bible. And I, I, dear listener, I don't recommend doing this regularly, but every so often you open the Bible and be like, okay, let's see. I at least aim for the Gospels. And I land in that spot that says, mm -hmm. consider the lilies of the field, consider the sparrows. You are worth me. And it's like, ah, gosh, oh, ah, ah, fine. And so I pulled the trigger. <laughs> and many entrepreneurial journeys later, here I am. Yeah. And you are successful at it. I mean, you have, I, th I think now more than three businesses with your wife also. And I guess I believe um, you made the right decision and you followed 
God's leading for your life. What I think about being entrepreneurial is success is a funny word. It's always ups and downs. You know, when you have like a stable job, mm-hmm. you get a paycheck, same on every, every month. With entrepreneurship, there are months we make nothing and there are months we make more than nothing. And you just never know what's going to come. And so it is, it is a constant deepening of the faith. But I do believe it's what God wanted. And so mm-hmm. who am I to argue with the Almighty? Are you enjoying this episode? Kindly subscribe, share, and leave a review. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really enjoy, you know, asking people about, you know, these kind of questions, knowing what's motivated them to make some switches because you get to really, really learn, you know, the motivation behind it and the, the story behind it. And that helps me and helps other people, other listeners out there to also know what they should look out for when making decisions also. Absolutely. Yeah. And now you now you help men, um, you know, to stand tall. And um, you do this by combining analytic science, psychology, and time-honored teaching of the faith. Like you teach the faith also. You use, this, use all of these combined together to help men get unstuck and to gain freedom that they need to, you know, do what they really want to do in their lives. Um, my first question is, like, how do you... How do you do this? How does this work? How do you combine all of these different things? We'll start with some low-hanging fruit here, why don't we? Um, so the first thing to really yeah. ask that question is I need to drive home something that should be obvious to most listeners, is that men and women are very different. And I, I think that is something that we could say over and over again and still not grasp the profundity behind that statement. Now, so when I say the following things, I'm speaking in the context as they apply to men. And women... Let me give you a very practical example. There's something fundamental to the nature of man that if I say, Toby, I promise you I'll do this, and then I don't do it, something inside me is compromised. Now, I mean, obviously, emergencies come up. If my kid right now breaks a leg and I got to take him to the hospital, well, okay, that'd be the will of God. But as a general course of rule, there's something about being a man that when I do not honor my word, I become weaker. And that is not the same manifestation for women. The rules are a little bit different for women in almost every aspect. And I think our society has lost fact of A, how different men and women are, and B, that we live in a hyper-feminized culture. And so the first thing I do with men is I attempt to reestablish what does it mean to be a man? Because we are human beings. And so many men right now define their identity in what they do. And they confuse that they're a human doing. Well, human doing doesn't exist. God didn't make human doings. He made human beings. And the first most powerful step in this journey is who am I? What am I? Whose am I? Do I belong to the Lord or do I belong to the world? And what is this path I've been put here to do? Because if you don't have that foundation, the rest of it, good luck. So what makes a man a man? You know, I'm going to say there's an indelible nature of the human soul when God creates a man that is expressed in an XY chromosome, that is expressed in a masculine uh, you know, setting. Now, that said, men and women can both manifest either masculine or feminine energies and personalities. By all means, that is what makes a man. But there's this indelible mark in the soul. So let me use an example. When I get married, I believe there's a, there's a permanent changing the character of my soul that binds me to my wife. When a man becomes a priest, there's a change to the soul. When, when someone is baptized, either male or female is baptized, there's something that changes in the nature of their soul that is fundamental. 
And there's something about my soul, something about your soul, something about the soul of every man on this world that when God created that soul and joined it to that egg and sperm in, in our mother's wombs, that that moment, something about us became man. And that shapes our entire life. And this is, you know, while I argue a little bit with our current culture, and you can cut off plumbing here and there and want to pretend that somehow you've changed something. But that indelible mark is still there, if, if for no other obvious reason than the entire body is filled with cells that have X and Y chromosomes. And now that we've established that already, I mean, I would love to also go back to the Christian faith because I'm really interested in this. And, you know, I, I asked the first question initially because, you know, you talk, you combine analytic science, psychology and, and you know, Christian faith together. And sometimes this, this, these things collide. So how do you, you know, combine all of these in your, in your coaching services to help men without, you know, or with, so, sorry, to help men without it, you know, um, colliding or without it, um, you know, contradicts in each other. I remember a Simpsons episode once where the judge rules that religion and science must maintain a hundred yard separations at all times. And that that's somehow in accordance with, mm -hmm. you know, with, with the declaration of, or sorry, with the bill of rights. And bluntly, that's silly. God's truth is the same truth that science discovers. Every time we see what appears to be contradiction in the faith and the science, it's either someone on the side of faith who's assuming too much or someone on the side of science who's going too far beyond what the data really supports. And both errors are made regularly. But when we pull back, the way that God designed it, the truths fundamentally found in the Bible, are being rediscovered by modern psychologists every day. The truth of self-sacrifice, the truth of giving, the truth of purpose, the truth of, of, of love and the purpose of our life being to love others and to love God, and the psychological need to have a higher power in our lives. Scientists keep popping these up as if, ha-ha, brand new discovery made. Look at this. We've solved the problem. We need a higher being in order to be feel fulfilled. I'm like, good job, guys. Mm -hmm. I'm very glad of that, that discovery. Some good work there. I do believe the Bible covered that about 2,000 years ago. But hey, keep up the good work. And I'm not trying to be dismissive of modern scientific techniques at all. But I, I do want to dismiss this notion that somehow there's an inherent contradiction because there really isn't. And when you read about the idea, I'll make this really practical for one example. A lot of modern uh, coaching work therapy work focuses on the power of our thoughts to create reality. And at first this might seem to you, oh, that doesn't sound Christian at all. That sounds like magic. But I'm going to challenge you and say, wait a second here. Go back to Genesis 1. God speaks and by God's word, all the world is formed. All the animals, all the stuff, it is good, it is good, etc., etc. And then he does something funny. He creates man in his own image and likeness. And think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't have the creative power of God. You don't have the creative power of God. That's okay. But we do have an image and likeness of that. And I know from science, when I have a thought, I have a novel thought in my brain. So I've got 10 trillion whatever different neurons in there and some whatever gigantic number of neural connections, right? I have this new thought, and literally a new pathway is forged between two different neurons or multiple neurons that wasn't there. And so that thought becomes the word made flesh in my own brain, literally. And I'm not trying to, again, not trying to claim to be God here by any means. But in the capacity by which I have the image likeness of God, I do have a creative power on my thoughts. And you see this in the early writings of most of the church fathers, the importance of disciplining the mind and our thoughts. Because as a man thinketh, so it becomes. As we describe things, yeah. so it becomes. To Adam was given the power to name animals. To each of us now is given the power to name ourselves and name that around us. And especially if you are a father, the power you hold over your children via your words is profound. And this echoes both through the faith and 
through psychology. Mm. So once we're able to align both of them together, you know, they are actually basically one of one, one in one. Yeah. Yeah. From the same source, basically, I would say. Yeah. They bring different perspectives, but they describe the same physical world, the same physical universe, the same, you know, recreated mm. reality that God has given us. Awesome. I'm happy we are able to clarify that. And now I can, <laughs> now we could move on to, you know, really talking about um, standing tall. Because I, I wanted also just to clarify that first, because you, you work with this um, really intensively, I believe. And um, a lot of people will be asking each, themselves, like, oh, uh, Michael works with Christian faith-based um, like, um, life coaching um, tools and how does that work with psychology and all of that. Um, yeah, so I'm happy we're able to talk about that. Um, I would like, like us to talk about, you know, standing tall. In, in my own understanding, standing tall means, you know, breaking free from anything that could hold you down to the ground and, you know, um, standing up for yourself, having more control over your life. I don't know if you can explain that better. And uh, tell us what it means yeah. to stand tall as a Let man. me start by quoting uh, Dimitri. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, Gulag, he wrote, pulled his name, not Dimitri. The name just left my brain. Gulag Archipelago writer, um, and, uh, uh, Solzhenitsyn. And he says this line that really is profound, that the line between good and evil runs between every human's heart and within the heart for every human being. And what's so critical there is no matter what your circumstance, this guy survived 20 years in the Soviet Gulag. Like, if there's anyone who has a claim to have been put in a terrible spot where it's not his fault, he, this man has that claim. And he says, no, the line between good and evil still runs inside my own heart. And so when I talk about strength, when I talk about standing tall, I don't mean like muscle mass. Okay, I've got some biceps. Sure, that's not what I mean. I mean the line inside my own heart, that when in my own heart I cross that line to the side of good, there's a, um, a spiritual manifestation of me that stands taller and is stronger. And you've experienced this. If you're a person who's gone through your life, you know the times you've lied, you've compromised, you've not kept your word, you've cheated, you've been dishonest. And you shirk, you shrink, and you feel bad. And, and yeah, we dismiss that and we push it aside and we say, ah, I don't want to deal with that. Um, that's not what's important right now. But there's a metaphysical mm. reality that the core substance of us as men is weakened when we act on the side of evil in our heart. And it's strengthened when we act on the side of strong. And you all, if you're a man, you have felt this. Assuming you're past the age of discernment, like if you're three or four, maybe not. But, you know, as an adult man, you have experienced this in your life. And you know this is true. You felt it. And one of the things I do with men is I encourage them, sometimes a little bit, you know, strongly, to say, let's look at those spots very closely, that you haven't done what is right and stood on the side of good. When you've slipped ever so little, sometimes even through an action or drifting, to the side of evil within your own heart. And how has that compromised you? And how has that played out in your life? One of Jordan Peterson's famous statements is, no one ever gets away with anything. We always pay for the crimes we commit. It's subtle. It's sometimes, you know, you don't see how the connections go. But I, I think it's a true statement because, maybe one more perspective here. The ancient church fathers said that if a man murders a second man, the first man has more damaged than the second. The second has lost his life, but the first man has created himself to be a murderer. And that is actually a worse fate than to lose your own life. And just let that settle in for a second. Mm. Because what it means on a practical level when I don't align with the good, the true, with my conscience, when I allow myself to slip and to slide and stumble, I permanently weaken a piece of myself. Now, by the grace of God, that permanence can be undone. 
and I can be lifted up again. But as to my own power, I, I've done that damage, right? So when I work with men, the, yeah. one of the first things they have them do is they do a strength assessment. And of the 30 parameters, only one of them looks at their physical muscle mass. Everything else looks at how do I express myself in the world? Am I strong emotionally? Here's a test for you men, if you want to know if you're strong. The next time your wife starts saying to you, blah, 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 this, and blah, 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 that, and you this, and you that, and this, and that, and the other thing, and you didn't even take a shower, and you stink. Whatever the things, your wife has her living. We all know it. And you stand there before her, and you, in your emotional strength, say, I will not get upset. I will stand here. I will love this woman, no matter what words come out of her mouth. Not because she deserves it, not because I'm that good, but because I swore an oath to God, that's what I would do. And by God's grace, I will mm. stand here and love this woman through this word storm. That is a measure of masculine mm. strength that is powerful. And that moves yeah. hearts. Mm. I, I can't wait there, you know, move from a, a state of us wanting to fight back, talk back, you know, that struggle of wanting to retaliate, to you know, just absorbing it and just like letting it go, let it be and making peace. How, how do we make that change from all those long-term struggles of us wanting to, you know, be men and <laughs> show that we're men? One of the biggest things I teach men is what I call the principle of reflection. And let's imagine that your mm -hmm. wife levels an accusation against you. Sometimes my wife accuses me of being too hard on the children, okay? And so that mm -hmm. one penetrates a little bit. Why does it penetrate? Why does it cause an emotional reaction in me? Well, the reason why isn't anything to do with her. It has to do with me. It's because deep down, I'm scared that I am too hard on the children. Deep down in my past, my father was demonstrably, abusively too hard on the children. There were broken bones. Like it, was, it was a rough household. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, there's a piece of me that doesn't stand tall, that's afraid. Gosh, what if I am too strong? What if, I, what if I'm becoming my dad? That's horrible. And so because of that spot where I'm weak, my wife's accusation makes me upset. But it's not because of what she's saying. The reflection piece says it's actually reflected on what's going on inside of me. That's what's causing this reaction. If my wife popped up and said, Michael, you need to stop robbing all these banks. I'd be like, well, uh, honestly, honey, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, I don't rob any banks. At least not officially, you know, though, for those of you who are trying to follow me, the criminal investor, whatever. I'm joking. But that one wouldn't register because there's nothing there inside of me that responds. But being too hard on the children does. Mm. And when I recognize that my wife's accusation is affecting me, has nothing to do with her and everything to do with where I haven't resolved my own problems, now I have power to strengthen myself there and to stand tall. And this is not a one-on-one -on -one process. This is ongoing. But it's, it's a great example of like where we can just situation by situation inspect what does it mean that you're reacting this way to someone else's words? Because, Toby, they're just words. Mm -hmm. I can put some random words out of a dictionary and they're just words. That's true. Wow. Okay. Looking at it from a perspective, then one is able to, you know, always reflect first and then be able to respond in the right way. Yeah. And, the, oh, well. no, and this is... Ahead, this, yeah, sorry. So the principle of reflection works the other way, too. If my wife's having strong words at me and she's getting worked up, that actually has nothing to do with me. That has to do with her feelings and where she's at. And the sooner I realize that all the words my wife throws at me, no matter how many times my name's in there and how many horrible things are associated with my name, are just 
solely mm. about what she is feeling and what she is experiencing in that moment, it gives me the possibility to let those words slide by because I know they're not actually about me. And to show up and be there, to give her a hug and say, honey, I, I just hear that you're in such pain right now. And I'm just so sad that you're hurting. Tell me more. Tell me what, what's going on here. Why are you hurting right now? What are you sad about? And that is incredibly connective. But again, use the principle that the reflection, what sounds like it's crossing is actually just about the each person's inside. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's, that's great. That means, um, you know, our emotions, um, compassion and, you know, um, empathy plays a, a large role um, in, in, life, in, in a man's life. You know, sometimes we, some people grow up as men and they have this understanding that, oh, men don't show emotions, they don't show feelings. Um, from what you explain right now, I, I'm guessing like we have to really show emotions and really be, um, you know, show empathy and be compassionate also with our spouses. Well, let's be very careful here because men and women are different. This is going to come on here. When mm -hmm. I am married, I am the rock or I'm the order to my wife's chaos. As a metaphor I love with, I was, I was spending a lot of years in Oregon and this Oregon coast, big old rock structures, nasty waves, smash tides, smash against the rocks. And the poor rock sits there and thinks, <laughs> what did I do? I just got smashed in the face of the wave and I didn't do nothing wrong. What's going on here? Well, men need to understand where the call to be the rocks. And what that means is by all means, our wives are allowed to express any emotion they want to and we need to be empathetic to hear, to be curious, to be supportive. But there's some emotions men are not called to express to their wives. And, and I'm going to be very blunt here. There's a different relationship between a man and a man and a man and a woman. If you ever doubt that basic statement, treat your wife like you do your male friends. You will quickly be disabused <laughs> of any confusion that those are the same type of relation because they are not. The relationship between a man mm. and a wife is much more similar to the relationship between a woman and a woman in the terms of what the rules are and how the currencies work. Okay. And so in that context, my wife needs my stability. And let's say that I'm in an existential crisis. And I really don't know what's happening. And the world's going to the pooper and I'm just, I'm just lost. That's when I seek another man to confide in. Because here's what happens. If I try to confide that to my wife, I've put her into an impossible situation. She can do one of two things. She can either say, oh, shoot, my rock is crumbling and freak out and go, bat poop crazy because that's what waves do when the rocks crumble or b she can say my rock is crumbling i guess i have to be the rock and if you want to kill mm. any interest in the bedroom whatsoever encourage your wife to be the rock because if she's the rock and you're the rock there's no attraction left there it's like elect electricity positives <laughs> negatives they attract two positives they repel yeah. you want the opposites there mm. and so by all mm. means express to your wife i had a difficult day at work i'm concerned about this I'm really worried about this. When you say this, I feel this way. Absolutely. But from a place of strength, and if you're like, it's all going to the pooper, I can't handle it, I don't know what to do, you find a good Christian male friend who you trust, and you say, buddy, I need to talk to you. And during that conversation, if he's a good man, at some point he will metaphysically, or metaphorically rather, reach across, slap you upside the chin and say, dude, snap out of it. You got to step into that. That's where you have to grow. And that's how men love each other. And that's not how women express love to women. And so your wife, if you try to do that with her, is in that impossible situation. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yes, I totally understand that perspective. I mean, in, in this modern day and, day and age, there are like different perspectives. And I truly understand. And it makes sense to me, um, your, your angle. And some, some people have of the emotion of the, you know, of the thoughts that a, a man could also show 
his strengths and weaknesses to his his wife or to his partner. I mean, um, and I've watched some movies before where the man cries to the wife, for example, and it shows his, his vulnerability basically uh, to the wife. But yeah, but it's another standpoint of view where a man has to actually be the rock. In in a lot of situations, a man has to be that pillar that the family holds on to. And, you know, um, yeah, he has to be the, the stronger one, basically. Let me give you an example, sometime. though. I recently was watching a TV show with my wife. And in the TV show, uh, this uh, mother is forced to leave behind her child in a situation. It's a heartbreaking scene. Mm. I don't have time to go into details. But as this scene is wrapping up, my wife is crying. And I am crying. And that is not weakness. That is strength. (laughs) Mm. Because it shows there's so much of me here that loves that I will cry for the Mm. sadness of this scene. She's not confused that I suddenly don't know what to do by this moment. I'm having, like, her rock isn't shaken by watching me cry. And what is a very sad scene? I'm a little dusty right now. I'm just thinking about this scene, right? And Mm. as a man, I have emotions. And I'll share myself with my wife but I also have to be there to support her. And it is a semi-contradiction in terms in the sense that it, there's a tension between those two roles. But I think most men, the stronger they get, the more they can share because that strength supports it. And my wife did not feel threatened or feel like her safety or her peace was being threatened in any way by the fact that I cried at this scene. I mean, I wasn't bald, but I had some tears coming down, man. It was a very sweet, very respectfully well-done scene. It, it was lovely. Oh, that's good. Okay. I, I'm glad to hear that. That's you. At least you cry in front of your oh, wife. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, you see your example and your family. Um, I know you're, you're a married man with six children. You have your wife and you, you, you run chains of businesses. How do you balance all of this? Like, you know, the obligation of work, the obligation of family, the obligation of other activities you have to do. How do you balance this as a man? Imperfectly. As a rock. Imperfectly is the best answer I can give you. <laughs> this life is imperfect. I think so many guys get so worked up over this notion that everything has to be done right, right? And there's kind of two ends of the spectrum. There's end number one which is, we're going to go with it wherever it goes. We're good to go. It'll be awesome. There's end number two, which is, every I must be dotted. Every T must be crossed. Look, I took my kids camping mm-hmm. two weekends ago. And my five-year-old, even though he's had no accidents for a while, both pooped his pants one time and peed his pants. It was a mess. It was gross. We had to bust out the wipes. And it was all oh, trash bags and stuff. Like, it's a mess, right? That's life. Life is a mess. Mm-hmm. Sometimes soccer practices get missed. Sometimes calls have to be rescheduled. It's life. We do our best every morning for my wife and I to start ourselves in prayer. She has her morning prayer routine. I have my morning prayer routine. We start in prayer because if you don't start there, man, good luck. We end each day Mm. together in prayer. And the last thing we do, if I I, sometimes I'll stay up a little bit later on her, especially because the kids are starting to stay up later and she needs a bit more sleep. But the last thing we do together is we pray together. And it's real honest prayer. It's not like, I realize that, you know, I'm Catholic. And so some people think, oh, Catholics only play with the Hail Mary, blah, blah. No, we just pray. We talk. We talk to God. What's going on? We pray for each other. Uh, last night, I'm in the very tail end of the cold. My wife literally said, and Lord, please heal Michael's cold. So he has some great phone calls coming up tomorrow. And there's a connection between us, between God that happens there. And if you want to get the little pieces in order of your life, and with six kids and three businesses, trust me, there's a lot of little pieces. And if you want those to be in order, you start with the big pieces. And the big pieces are how am I with God? How am I with my wife? If those two there are there, 
the rest will go. I read the other day, uh, so my wife and I are both from divorced families. And as good parents do, we always worry, where are we harming our children? Because it's a guarantee. Every parent harms their child. I don't say this in a accusatory way. We're all imperfect. We're all sinners. We all hurt our children. And here's what I read that shocked me. The healing power of having both a mother and a father that stay together and fight together on the same team is so great, it undoes massive amounts of little damage that we all do to our children. And this morning, I lost my temper and raised my voice at one of the kiddos for doing something that wasn't that big of a deal. There's little stuff that comes up all the time. But when you focus on the big things, your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, the goodness and the graces that come through those spill over. And particularly as a man called to be the head of the marriage, the domestic priest of the household, you must stay connected because that grace primary flow path is through you first. If I am present mm-hmm. and there's a family prayer, I lead the prayer. Not because I'm some macho patriarch, but because God specifically set it up so the man leads spiritually. Um, there's a good friend of mine who was saying that uh, she she's a very type A personality, very strict in with the kids, and she has a lot of boys. And those boys will just cause a havoc until even if she gives them all the timeouts and the push-ups and the whatever to do as consequences, and they don't care. Mm. But dad shows up, boys, line up. And all of a sudden, things change. And because there's this just there's a difference between men and women. I like that. Like putting God first helps us to helps everything to fall into place, like our work our family, everything falls into place. And the woman and the man staying together helps the children also to grow with less damages than they should normally grow up with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that so much. Um, So, you know, before getting married, I, like I am single, for example, and um, I would love to have more control over my life. I would love to, you know, get more, get unstuck basically before getting into any kind of relationship or marriage. So what can I do to you know, set myself free from every kind of addictions, for example, and also to have more control in my life? So a couple of things come to mind. Number one, this is the best time in your life to start to be curious about areas of your life where you aren't standing tall. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak bluntly here. Mm-hmm. We are in a epidemic, not of COVID, but of lust. Lust is gripping our society. And lust can manifest in many different ways. It could be pornography. It could be many other things. And right now, the first area I would challenge the average man who's not married is you need to confront your struggle with lust because getting married doesn't bypass that. A lot of men have this notion in their head, well, sure, I'm addicted to porn, I'm stuck with whatever, but once I get married, I'll have a wife, so it'll be like, that'll solve it all, right? No, not remotely. Check that idea of the door right now, because here's the deal, men. If you are unable to completely love your wife, if you use your wife sexually, that love is corrupted, and that will eventually dry up and cause way bigger problems. So right now, get curious. Most young men have a few ideas about some of the sins they're a little too attracted to. You know what I mean. Could be alcohol, could be Mm. eating, could be gambling. Whatever it is, you've got your list. This is a good time to start. Be curious. If it's something relating to your child, consider a therapist. If it's something you like to work on, consider a coach. Uh, if nothing else, 
find an older man as a mentor. Go, go to your church. And I guarantee you there are some older men around the church that would love to talk to you about the problems. You want The key is you want to find one who also listens. Like you can't just talk. He also has to listen mm-hmm. to you too. But find someone yeah. in your life. And this the good man in your life is going to reach through, grab you by the shirt, say, dude, stop doing that. You're worth more than that. God didn't make you for that fate. God made you for something amazing. And you're missing it when you indulge in whatever that line is. Step number one. Mm-hmm. Step number two, right now, start working on sacrificial love. I'm going to tell you what, Toby, it never gets easy. It is hard every day. Uh, this morning, my I, I'll throw my wife under the bus ever so slightly. She left a shoe in front of the door, and I was sneaking out the door early because I go to the CrossFit gym at 5.15 in the morning. Okay, And so I get up, I'm walking out of the room, and I tripped on her shoe. And oh, a piece of me rose up like, ah, oh, stinking what? Why would she leave that there? And immediately my brain goes, no, mm. no, no. You have to love her. You too leave shoes somewhere. Sometimes you too cause damage to people through your own carelessness. Love that woman. And it's, it's such a silly little example. She is literally unaware of this story because I haven't talked to her about it yet. And I'm not going to because she doesn't need to know. Yeah. But it's a struggle yeah. that you need to learn now when you're single. How do I love even when it hurts? Now, there's a lot of stuff. You don't yeah. really get to test yourself until you're married. Like, I thought I was so yeah. good with little kids until I was married. Yeah, then I learned that I had some selfishness there that I had to work through. And a lot of that comes up. Mm-hmm. Nothing really prepares you for marriage like marriage. Like, you can read all the books, wow. but until you're in the line of fire and you feel that tension, nothing fully prepares you. But... Clean up as much as you can and really deepen your connection with the Lord. Mm. And go to bed early. Last off, go to bed early. Oh, go to bed early. Why? Why do you have to go to bed early? <laughs> because once you have kids, you're forever going to want to go to bed early because you're so dog tired and you won't be able to. But at least start training your body to go to bed early oh. now and it will pay out later on. <laughs> okay. So start practicing right now. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I, I like you when, when you talked about, you know, you, you learn on the job basically. Like you just, once you get married, that you realize or you learn more things about yourself or if some things come out and you're like, oh, that's that's telling you. I never knew that about myself. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I would really like to know more about your podcast. Um, you, you help a lot of people, you know, through your podcast, through the um, messages that you, you, you give out, you know, for coaching men, basically. So I'd like to talk about your podcast and your coaching services and how you use all of this medium to help men to, um, you know, to stand tall, to break free, to get unstuck. Absolutely. So let me start by maybe drawing a contrast. And and while I, I have to be careful, because I don't want to weave, weave too wide of a web with this statement, but there's a significant number of people out there who've been very frustrated with going through conventional therapy. And part of the reason why is there's a, a school of thought within therapists, which is, Listen to the client. The client is always right. Just go where they want to go. And the truth is, Toby, mm-hmm. I'm not going to speak a single word for that as far as it applies to women. But as it applies to men, that is not the right approach to help men. And when you engage with me, it is going to be intense, focused work. I'm going to call you on your BS. We all have BS. We tell ourselves. We all have stories. We tell ourselves. But I call you on those from the first mm-hmm. moment of our conversation. And whether you're listening to my podcast or they're doing work, coaching work with me, is a similar, there's a similar vein that I don't pull the punches. And when there's a situation come up, I'm like, dudes, this is what it is. This is the life. It's not some 
weak namby bamby like oh do this thing and it's fine no biblically <laughs> here's why it's true psychologically here's why it's true same truth expressed differently this is the reality and I, I, you can listen to my podcast. There's some great episodes there about, I did a wonderful pair of episodes about identity and why identity is so important and how many of us men drift in our identity or even worse, have an identity founded in something of this world and then wonder why every part of our life falls apart after that. If you don't have your identity right, it all goes, it all goes poorly from there. And, and whether you're engaging with me in the coaching sense, which is a faster paced in a podcast sense, or even I have a group program that I'm trying to get off the ground starting as well. And this is kind of new is this idea that I will take you and be like, we're going to make the progress, we're going to do the work, and we're not going to pause around and make it gentle because men need strength. I read the other day that between every single man-to-man interaction, there's an underlying threat of physical violence. Between every single one. This is not true, man-to-woman or woman-to-woman. But just between man-to-man, that is a component now, it's a very deep, it's a deep, um, I'll say, uh, a latent piece of masculinity. But you see this, uh, I was at a camp trip the other day, and this uh, teenage boy was defying his father. And there were a couple dads nearby, and all three dads, boom, stood right, you know, shoulder to shoulder, facing this boy down, arms crossed, that look. You know the look when you've seen your dads give that look. Mm-hmm. And you could see that boy, he's like, boom, 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 all three dads. And he's like, oh, Okay. All right. And you could feel the tension. There was an underlying threat of physical violence. Now, not that anyone's going to do it, but there's a physical projection there. Understand that that tension is critical to masculine growth. The masculine essence needs to push against something, push back. And that's part of the struggle that makes us men. Uh, I'll, I'll close this description this way. Uh, many people have read the Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Sounds so cute. Oh, I'll go off, find some men sharpen each other like iron, right? But think about that for a second. How does iron sharpen iron? Actually, normally we don't use iron to sharpen iron. Normally we use a rock to, or like a grinding stone to sharpen iron, right? And even with that, it's a hot process. There's sparks. There's friction. You're probably getting yourself burned. You're getting sparks in the face. Not comfortable. Iron sharpening iron is going to be even worse. And when you really read that and think about that, you realize this is not a pleasant process. And it does not say as iron sharpens iron, one woman sharpens another. That's a different process. Women have a different path. Mm-hmm. They, have a, they have a gift of receptivity that allows them to do a different path. Men have an outward focus to our essence. And we have to understand that means mm-hmm. the path is different. Wow, awesome. I'm going to place the link to your website in the show notes of this episode for anyone who is interested. But what's the best way to connect and to work with you? So if you're interested in working with me, uh, by all means, check out my podcast, Catholic Life Coach for Men. Uh, you can also go to my website, catholiclifecoachmen.com, and I will give anyone, any man, a free one-hour session, and we talk. We talk about what does coaching look like? How would that coaching fit in your life? What are some of the goals you want to change in your life? And I also try to determine, are you ready to change? I have some guys that show up and they say, yeah, I want this different. And I'll be like, well, are you really need to face this? Oh, I don't know. We need to go there. I'm like, cool. You're just not ready yet. Like, I'm not going to waste your time or my time. Yeah. I'm not going to waste anything else. It's just when you're ready, you're ready. Because I know when you're ready, because I'll ask the question, what's going on there? And you'll be like, well, well uh, oh, maybe this. I say, good. <laughs> now let's explore yeah. that. And check it out. Catholic mm-hmm. Life Coach Man. I work with Christians of any flavor. Um, if you are not Christian, reach out. We'll have a discussion if it makes sense. But to date, I've worked exclusively with Christians.
Christian's awesome. Thanks so much for that. I'm going to put this link one more time again in the show notes of this episode. For everyone who's interested, you just click on the link, copy the link to the website, and you'll find the podcast also there. There's a um, in the menu bar, there's like um, a section for the podcast, and there you can listen also to the podcast on all platforms or even directly on the on the website itself. So that's great. Um, before I let you go, Michael, I just have one last question. Um, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about marriage and relationships and, you know, what we as men need to do in all of these situations and also for ourselves in order to, you know, um, live a, a life of, you know, positivity and to stand up for ourselves, basically. Um, and also we said about, we talked about, you know, real struggles a little bit so i would like to know what does anyone need basically what is the most important tool that anyone needs in order to transform his or her life oh one tool if i had to choose one tool i would choose humility you know the ancients rated all the different mortal sins and the worst one in every list was pride and it's the sneakiest one because it's the hardest to see I don't wake up the next morning and question whether or not I'm engaged in lust. Oh, look, there's another woman here in bed with me. I think I might have engaged in lust. I wonder about that. But pride is so sneaky. And the counter to pride is humility. And without humility, we cannot break through to hear what's going on underneath something. We cannot hear God's voice who speaks into our life. When our head is so filled with our own thoughts and focuses, we don't hear God speaking to us. We don't hear even what a coach wants to say. Humility is a vanishing art. Certainly don't go to Washington, D.C. for it. You know, they don't have it there. And this this power of being open to the Lord, to other men, even to correction that maybe my way isn't best. Humility, I think, would be the number one starting point. Humility. Wow. Thank you so much, Michael, for sharing that. I really appreciate your time, and I thank you so much for making out, you know, you know, making all the time to be on this podcast and sharing a lot of words of wisdom that are useful to us as men and even to women out there and everyone who is listening. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Obi. It's been a delight to be here. And God bless you for the good work you do. Wow. wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye. Bye.